Keith mentioned something at the beginning that worship shouldn't depend on on our weeks and whether it was a good week or a bad week or you went through hard things. Worship exists to bring glory to God. And, you know, in weeks, some weeks for me are hard weeks. But, but when I come to this place and I begin to worship and I take the focus off of me and my struggles and I put them where they need to be and that is on my Father. And, and I begin to praise him. I think there's something really beautiful that happens when, when we enter into worship. There's something really healing that happens when we enter into, into worship. You know, when we don't focus on ourselves, but we focus on him. And I hope you were able to do that this morning. I'd like for you to turn with me to Acts chapter 10. We're in a series in the book of Acts. This is week number 5. Next week and the following, we're going to take a little break. We're going to talk about Passover and what Passover is next week. And then we've got Resurrection Sunday the following week. But like uh, for us to focus this morning on Acts chapter 10. Acts 10 is, a, is really a pivotal book in this book of Acts. In chapter 10, we see salvation coming to the Gentiles. And this event that we're focusing on here in chapter 10 this morning happens about 10 years after Pentecost. Acts chapters 1 and 2, we talk about how the Holy Spirit came and came into the people in Jerusalem. That happens about 10 years before this. We talk about uh, two weeks ago about Stephen and how how God um, used Stephen and how Stephen was stoned because of, of his teachings and because of, of his faith in Christ. That happened about four years after, after Pentecost. And then last week we, we, taught, we, we looked at Saul of Tarsus and how he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And, and we see as Jesus said what happened in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 when he said, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in, in Jerusalem, we've seen that. In Judea and Samaria, we've seen that. And then to the ends of the earth, and that's what we're going to see ha- begin to happen today. It's time here in Acts chapter 10 for the door of faith to, to open up for the Gentiles and to bring them into the family. But before God would do this with the Gentiles, he had to prepare the heart of, of Peter, who we've been introduced to over the first several weeks, and to a man named Cornelius. Now, salvation, we would agree, is, is the divine work of grace. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. But along with that, salvation, we agree, is free. It is a divine work of grace. But God uses us to introduce people to Jesus Christ. It it is our responsibility and our privilege to share the gospel with people who don't yet know him. And so what God God is doing here in Acts chapter 10 is, is he is preparing Peter to present the gospel. And he's preparing Cornelius. He is preparing to break this barrier that has existed between Jews and Gentiles for thousands of years. 
And as I look at, at Acts chapter 10, it sort of, it sort of is like a three-act play as you read it, as you read this chapter. And anytime you, you watch a play or, or you go to a movie, there are, there are certain characters within that play that, that you identify with. You know, as you go through the play, you begin to, to connect with them because, because maybe they're, they're going through something that, that you're going through. And so this morning, as we're, as we're reading this, as we're, we're, we're looking at the story of Peter and Cornelius, I want you to ask yourself, which character do I identify with? as we're going through, um, through Acts chapter 10. So we, we see as God is preparing to break down the barriers, he first of all has to prepare a man named Cornelius. And if you would, um, uh, look at verse 1 with me in Acts chapter 10. Now Caesarea is, is a city, I think, north and, and west of, uh, of Jerusalem, about 65 miles. It's on the coast. It was a beautiful city in the time that Cornelius lived there. And here's what it says. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion who was known as the Italian regiment. He and his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need, and he prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear and said, what is it, Lord? The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come to me as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying at with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel had spoken to him, had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout, devout soldier who was, with his, was his attendant, and he told them everything that had happened, and he sent them to Joppa. So here we see Act 1 opening up. We see this man named Cornelius who is praying, and, and while he's praying, an angel appears to him. Now, we see here that, that, this, uh, that Cornelius, it says that he was a devout man who feared God. It says that, that he gave generously to people who had need, and he even prayed. And yet... Here we see him as a, as a model of, of religious respectability, and yet he wasn't saved. He didn't know Jesus. As you look at this, you know, the difference between Cornelius and many religious people of today is this. He knew. He knew that his religious devotion wasn't enough to save him. Now, many people today, and some of you may resonate with, with Cornelius when it comes to this. We have people who are good people who do lots of good works. You show up for church, you, you check it off. You do great work, good work in the community, you check it off. You, you, give, you put money in the offering plate, you check that off. You pray, you check that off. And so you've got this checklist of things that you do every week because you're a religious person. And yet, there's something, there's something drastically missing from your religious practice. Just like was missing from Cornelius' religious practice. And that was Jesus. 
Some of you have grown up just trying to please God and to do things to earn his favor. And like Cornelius, we need to be asking God to show us the way to salvation. In Jeremiah chapter 29, we're promised, it says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And that's what we see with Cornelius here. Cornelius was was truly seeking God. He was desiring to know him. And it says here, when the angel spoke to him, when the angel was gone, Cornelius didn't ask a lot of questions. He didn't sit there and wonder, boy, I wonder if that was something I had to eat earlier today. I wonder if it was just me. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. No, he went, he got a couple of his servants, uh, a trusted soldier, and he said, I want you to go to Joppa, and I want you to find a man named Peter. I want you to bring him back here. Because he has something to tell us. So that is, that is, that is act one. As, it, and as, as act one comes to a close and as the curtains are going down and the lights fade, we see Cornelius' um, servants and soldiers heading off into the distance going to Joppa looking for a man named Peter. And the curtains close. Now as the curtain is closed and you're waiting for act two, Does Cornelius resonate with you? Can you identify with Cornelius? Have you gone through life just just checking off certain things and saying, okay, I have I have done these things. I have I've gone to church. I have I have given. I've done my religious practices and now it's it's on to something else and there's something missing. Does that resonate with you? Now as act two opens up, the curtains go up and, and, and when we see God preparing a man named Peter. Because you see, Peter has to be prepared for this encounter with Cornelius' men. And Cornelius' men are already on the way. They're, they're coming. Now you ask, why Peter is a believer? You know, Peter's been preaching the gospel. Why does Peter have to be prepared? Well, Peter was, he grew up an Orthodox Jew. Therefore, he would not associate or would not have been encouraged to associate with a Gentile. I mean, a Gentile was was a dirty word. So there was this barrier that existed between Peter and Cornelius. It was their background. It was the fact that that Peter was a Jew and Cornelius was a Gentile. Now in Ephesians 2, uh, verse verse 14, it says, uh, this is the result of what happened. It says, for he himself is our peace, speaking of Jesus, who made the two groups, Jews and Gentiles, one And has destroyed this barrier, the dividing hostility, by setting aside his own flesh, the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two. 
thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. What Paul's talking about there in Ephesians is bringing together the Jews and the Gentiles through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for, for us. So this was what God was preparing to do to bring this, these verses into fulfillment. Jews and Gentiles had this deep, deep hate for each other. They called each other dogs. They would, and this was in a day when dogs weren't um, valued citizens of the, of, the, of the country. Dogs were just rotten dogs. But Jews would have no contacts with Gentiles unless they absolutely had to. And, and if they did have contact with a Gentile, they would have to have this religious ceremony so that they could be cleansed from having had contact with these despicable people. I mean, a Jewish person wouldn't even help a Gentile woman with, with her birth because if they did, they would just be bringing another Gentile into the world. And, and who in the world wanted another Gentile in the world? And so there was this deep-seated hate. There was this huge barrier that existed between Peter and Cornelius. And Cornelius's men were on the way to get Peter. To come back. And so, so, so how is this going to work? What's God going to do? How is God going to prepare Peter to be ready for this encounter when these men showed up? So we look in Acts chapter 10. We go to verse 9. It says, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey, these men, as they were coming to get Peter, they were approaching the city and Peter went up on the roof to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. Now, do you notice, even Peter struggles within his prayer life where his mind begins to wander. Peter was praying, and, and man, he got hungry, and it, it says that, that, um, that he smelled the food coming. And so Peter was struggling, but it says, he became hungry and wanted something to eat. While the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open, and something like a large sheet let down to earth by these four corners, it contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. So Peter looks at this vision. He sees all kinds of, of, of defiled animals Tasty toads and, and frogs and, and he sees cows and, and, and all, all these different things that, that, that he wasn't, he saw pigs that he really wasn't allowed to eat. And he says in verse 14, surely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. I will not defile myself. This happened three times. And immediately it says the sheet was taken back up into heaven. So here God uses this vision of, of defiled animals, of food. He says you need to eat this to prepare Peter for the work that he had for him to do. And the reason God used these animals was because there was this, this distinction between clean and unclean foods 
that was a major problem between Jews and Gentiles. You know, Jews today still have certain things that they will not eat. And so from a young age, they were taught what foods were clean and what foods were unclean, what they could touch, what they couldn't touch. And if they did touch these things, if they did eat these things, they became ceremonially unclean. And if they became ceremonially unclean, they would lose their distinctiveness. And so Peter didn't want to become unclean. So Peter's got a dilemma. Because he was, straight, he was very clearly told, Peter, get up and eat these unclean animals. So what is Peter to do? And, and in verse 17 it says, While Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. So here we see in Acts chapter 2, we see now the men have arrived at Peter's house. God had prepared Peter for this encounter. And do you see, do you see how God is working behind the scenes? Do you see how God was working behind the scenes to prepare Cornelius, how he was speaking to Cornelius to send men to Joppa to get the guy that has the message for them. And then in return, how you see God working in Peter's life to prepare Peter for this encounter that he would have with these men that Cornelius had sent. Peter didn't understand for sure why he was going. He didn't for sure understand this vision But when the Spirit told him to go downstairs, that there are some men there and he should go with them, Peter was obedient. Peter immediately listened and and he went. Because all he knew was that the Spirit had told him to go with these men who were coming. So now as, as Act 2 draws to a close, as the curtains come down, as as the lights begin to fade, we see a similar scene to Act 1. We see the men that Cornelius had sent. We see them fading off in the distance, heading back towards Caesarea. But with him, with him are seven other men. It's Peter and some of his friends heading back to to Caesarea. And as the curtain closes... And you have a few minutes to think as they redo the stage set. Can you relate to Peter? Are there times when God is wanting you to go talk to somebody? Somebody maybe that that makes you uncomfortable? Somebody that isn't like you? Somebody maybe that you even consider to be like a Gentile. A defiled, dirty person. And yet, yet the Spirit is prompting you to go. 
So as they're sitting there thinking about what you've just seen, the curtain begins to rise on, on Act 3. Now you've seen in this play, you've seen the preparation of Cornelius and, and you've seen the preparation of Peter. And, and now we're going to learn, we're going to understand what this, what's going to happen, why God was preparing them. And, and so as the curtains go up, we need to prepare ourselves for the barriers to come crashing down because they're going to be tear, torn away. Here were, here were two worlds that were getting ready to collide. The world of the Jews and the world of the Gentiles was going to have a head-to-head meeting. Seven devout Jews about to meet a house full of eager Gentiles. What an incredible picture we have before us. So we find Peter arriving at the house of Cornelius. Still not sure why he's going. And we see Cornelius inviting Peter into his house. And as the door opens, it says in verse 27, it says, Peter went inside. And when he went inside, it says, he found a large gathering of people. So it wasn't just Cornelius and a couple of his friends. Cornelius had gathered together, it says, a large number of people to come and hear what this man Peter was going to have to say to them about God. And Peter says in verse 28, You are all well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with or, or even visit a Gentile. I mean, he wasn't supposed to go in their house. But Peter says, But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So Peter had gotten it about the, the vision of the sheet. That God didn't want him to call anybody unclean. And he says, So when I was sent... I came without raising any objection. But then he says, can you tell me why I'm here? May I ask why I'm here? You see, Peter still wasn't sure why these Gentiles wanted him to come to their house and share with them. So in verse 30, Cornelius stands up and he says, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon, and suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me. Do you remember that in Act 1? And he said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He's a guest at the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. And Cornelius says, so I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. He says, now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. So finally, Peter gets it. Cornelius 
has invited me here to tell them about Jesus. What an incredible picture. What an incredible thing we see unfolding before us. Here, Jews and Gentiles who hated each other were now having a conversation about, about Jesus. And then we, we read the account of, of Peter preaching. And what's interesting is, is this sermon that Peter preaches is much like the sermon that he preached 10 years ago in Jerusalem at Pentecost. He tells them why Jesus died and why he resurrected. This sermon here we often overlook. And this is a very critical sermon for Gentiles like us. You see, Acts 2, that sermon was for Jews. This sermon that Peter preaches here is for Gentiles. And it says, in ver- beginning in verse 44, it says, While Peter was still speaking these words, The Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Have we seen this before somewhere? It says the circumcised believers, the Jews, who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. They were amazed that God was doing this to these defiled people, that he was welcoming them in, that they were receiving the Holy Spirit. And it says they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Does this look familiar to Acts chapter 2? Well, now the Gentiles have received, the barrier has been broken down. Jews, Samaritans, Gentiles had all received the Holy Spirit and now they were the body of Christ. Just like we read back in Ephesians chapter 2. They were one body. In Galatians chapter 3 verse 27 it says, For we were all baptized into Christ Jesus, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ. And here's where that happened. We became one in Christ here in Acts chapter 10. As the curtain comes down on Act 3, we have a lot of things to to process as the curtains close from then until the time that the credits are shown or or people are thanked. And as we sit there and we think about what we've seen in Act 3, we saw that that the word was preached in Acts chapter 3. We saw that, that as the word was preached, they believed on Christ. And we saw as they believed on Christ, they received the Spirit and were baptized into the church. And as we sit there and and we meditate on 
how incredible God is as, as we think about how he prepared Cornelius and, and how he prepared Peter and how when the time was right, he brought them together and the word was preached and they received Christ. And as you sit there and you process, which one of these characters do you identify with the most? And we have people in this room this morning that are, are Corneliuses. People who have their whole lives tried hard to be faithful and religious. Have done the acts of religion. Have gone to church. Have given in the offering plate. Have even prayed and served and yet don't know Jesus. And some of you were being prepared for this moment when you heard this word so that you could receive. And if you believe in your heart, the Bible says that Jesus is Lord and you confess with your mouth. It says you will be saved. Some of you need that today. Some of you identify with that. But also seated in this room this morning are men and women that identify with Peter. Believers who, who want, who God wants to use to share the gospel to those he is already speaking to. He wants to use faithful witnesses who are willing to go. Witnesses who are willing to go no matter how uncomfortable they may become. No matter how, how uncomfortable it is for them to go to somebody that, that they don't associate with. But he's wanting you to go. He's wanting people like Peter who, when they hear the Holy Spirit speaking, they're willing to go. People who desire to align their hearts with him and have a passion and a burden for people who don't yet know Jesus. He wants us to be willing to go wherever people need the gospel. You know, it's really comfortable for us to, to sit in our church, our churches, inside the walls. It's safe. We can worship. We can hear preaching. But we don't ever get beyond our comfort zone. It's really easy to go to Rosedale Bible College and be comfortable in that incredible environment with other believers, and yet not be willing to go beyond our comfort of Rosedale Bible College to share with people that make us uncomfortable. And I wonder, are we willing to go? When we are asked to go. Are we willing to be uncomfortable for the cause of Christ? 
I believe as we look at, at this passage today, I believe God is, is already preparing people like he did Cornelius for you to go to, to share the gospel. You know, several weeks ago, I asked you to write down the name of a person that, that you knew needed Jesus. I ask you to write their name down and to begin to pray about it and look for opportunity to go and share with them. Where are you at in that process? Because you know what? Maybe, just maybe that person is ready for an encounter with, with the gospel. The question is, are you ready to go and share the gospel? Stand with. Father, whether we are a pre-Christian Cornelius or a, a Peter who needs to go and share, will you move in our hearts today? Will you show yourself to us today? Lord, my prayer is just that there would be obedience wherever we are at. Obedience to say yes to Jesus this morning. To believe on him. And to receive the spirit. And there will be obedience. On our call to go. And share the gospel. Obedience to take it to the ends of the earth. Obedience to take it to our neighbors and our family members who you are preparing. And Lord, just give us, uh, give us spiritual eyes and, and ears to, to hear and to see where you're sending us and what we would do. And Father, would our lives, would our lives bring you honor and glory? as we are obedient to the plans and the purposes that you have for our lives. It's in Christ's precious name that we pray. Amen.